You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, April 7th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with more of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, and recently, Off the Bench Baseball. Or maybe my more pop culture entertainment side of things at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Blade Disgusting, and many more. Of this year's Lockdown Padres podcast, though, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, and that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only, 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 if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to respond to you, and maybe even respond to you here on this old, uh, this old podcast. That's right. You might make an appearance on here. How cool is that? Uh, for today's episode, guys, i um, going to be recapping really quickly yesterday's game against the Padres, or I should say, the Padres game against the Giants, and then I actually have a special treat. I'm doing a, the last two segments of the show. I'm going to be talking with Emily Nyman of the Breaking Balls podcast, where we talked about baseball documentaries and a little bit about A-Rod and how, admittedly, uh, while he is kind of disdainful in a lot of ways, I think a lot of people voiced those uh uh, reasons of disdain uh, on the Sunday Night Baseball broadcast that we actually saw uh, this past week, uh, weekend. Uh, we talk about him a little bit and baseball documentaries and how unfortunately he probably might be worthy of it for a variety of different reasons. So it's actually, it's a really fun chat and that'll make up the back end of this podcast. But first, let's talk about the recent stuff because this is Locked on Padres after all. So first of all, let's talk about last night's game. Let's talk about last night's game, guys. The Padres won by a score of 3-1. to one. For the Padres was Mr. Hugh Darvish, who had a much, much, much better game than he did on uh, opening day. He goes six innings, only giving up one run on three hits, walking one, and striking out seven across 89 total pitches. Much, much better for you, Darvish. And some people might say, oh, I don't, I mean, it's not like the Giants. No, I actually think the Giants have a very underrated offense. Uh, you should go back and listen to, or just listen in general to the Locked On Giants podcast, but definitely listen to the crossover I did with Ben Kaspik. It's it's an island of almost misfit toy guys, uh, the Giants offense. And it's really, I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying that this is the LA Dodgers or the Atlanta Braves. But it's definitely a pretty okay offense that can score some runs on you. And it could come out of nowhere in a lot of ways. Even guys like Wilmer Flores kind of scare me to a degree. Or Alex Dickerson and obviously Yastrzemski and whatnot. But they've got an interesting offense over there. Interesting squad over there. So I actually thought it was quite impressive. I thought he looked good. I enjoyed seeing them throw up the graphic. Showing his like 8-pitch repertoire. That was super fun. Um, Really good stuff. Really good stuff. I thought he looked good. I think that the numbers... We're supported by the stat line. The final stat line uh, did tell the whole story. I thought he was great. He did give up the one home run to Brandon Crawford, of all people, who is an extremely not good offensive player. Even when he was at his prime, he wasn't that great of an offensive player. Uh, So it was just one kind of mistake, really, that Darvish made. And that's good, though. I like that. One pitch of concern doesn't really freak me out. It's not like his strikeouts and his splitter and all that stuff were like on point, on point. 
Uh, like, I actually felt like opening day, the, his strikeouts were, like, awesome. Like, he clearly fooled hitters, but there were times when they were just hitting on his stuff. So when people make contact, they've been hitting him hard so far. But the question is, can they continue to make contact? And so far, I have no reason to believe that he still won't be the ace-quality pitcher that everyone expects him to be. And then in terms of the offensive side of things, Hosmer, once again, uh, coming up clutch, really, with another RBI from him in this game. Uh, his one hit on the night. Uh, he's really started off, like, kind of on fire, this guy. Uh, I would be remiss to not talk about and brag about the fact that my boy Will Myers got a hit in this game, going one for three, and uh, he stole a base, too, which was nice. And I actually think that does mean something, because Myers only had two swipes last year, and considering how fast he is, I think that a lot of people were shocked by that, that he didn't run more. Now, if him not running anymore means that he can do the type of things uh, solely at the plate that he did last year, then I'd be fine with that. But I'd also like to see that part of his game. I think that it's a nice little bonus to the team, a team that led the league in stolen bases last year. So that's very cool to see. Um, And then, of course, the big banger, the big moment of the night, Mr. Puerto Rican power himself, Mr. Victor Caratini, with a two-run blast. He has also been low-key one of the more uh, clutch contributors for this Padres offense. Love to see it, uh, especially in the absence of Austin Nola, especially with Luis Campizano clearly still, you know, learning the ropes and whatnot. For him to step up and be like a decent catcher is very much appreciated, especially for a team that for years struggled with Austin Hedges and Francisco Mejia, of course. Anything looks great by those standards, but seriously though, Victor Caratini, a very, 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 dare I say even maybe a little bit overqualified of a backup um at the backstop. So that was very cool from him. Uh, Melanson gets the save opportunity again. So it looks like for now, at least, unless something goes wrong, he starts blowing some saves. It looks like it's fair to say that Mark Melanson is probably the closer for the Padres. Uh, I imagine that if they play like a really great and deadly team, like Atlanta, the aforementioned Atlanta or the Dodgers, that maybe we could see Pomeranz in there. Um, but otherwise, you know, very cool there. Keone Kella actually got the win uh, in this game, going one inning and striking out two. Uh, Emilio Pagan made an appearance, who I I just learned yesterday. I think he might be Puerto Rican too. I don't know. It didn't say it on his like Wikipedia bio or anything like that. I tried looking it up. I didn't see anything. But I saw that he pitched for Team Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. So why did not any of you tell me this before? This is very interesting development. But yeah, that's a, that's a good exciting development that the bullpen seems to be okay so far. So very cool there. And also, I think I'd be um, remiss to not talk about the Giants for a quick second. And Aaron Sanchez, who had a okay game I don't think he was as impressive as uh, Anthony Descalfani but he wasn't terrible he you know he bended but didn't break uh he goes five innings giving up one earned run on six hits no walks four K's I love the Aaron Sanchez deal for the for the Giants it's a one-year deal this guy was good not too long ago so I actually was uh not like scared when the Giants signed him but I was definitely like oh yeah that could that could potentially lead to some trouble but it is not this day this day we fight Uh, So, yeah, that's it for the recap of the game. Very cool. Nice to see the Padres get back in the win column. Uh, I would like to see a little bit more firepower from the offense. But, again, it's early. I don't really care about offense, as I've told you guys before. I think that it's it's early, and I don't want to panic about any of the guys, including Tommy Pham. And, of course, last news, I talked about it on Locked On Today, the Locked On Today podcast, which you guys should definitely check out. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr., it sounds like he's... Avoided the worst. Right now, there isn't expected to be. They haven't seen anything that means that he requires surgery, which is really, really incredible news. He's on the 10-day IL for now. Uh, I I imagine that he was campaigning to come back into yesterday's game because that's just how competitive he is. 
But so far, it doesn't seem like there's any, at least is what the Padres are saying. And like we talked about yesterday, the Padres are weird with injuries that there's no long-term scare. Maybe this is something he might have to get fixed uh, down the line is what I'm hearing. But maybe there's a possibility that he plays through it this year. Maybe maybe to a reduced level of stardom, I, I admittedly, let's be honest, guys, like he might not be as good as he usually is. And then it's something he might be able to address in the offseason. I will say this, though. I don't I think the Padres, if they thought there was any risk of long term type of damage for a guy that they just signed to 14 years, I feel like there wouldn't be the possibility of him coming back this season. That is just me, though. Um, so cautiously optimistic, but optimistic nonetheless. And I guess that's why I wanted to talk to. Emily Nyman on the podcast today. That's why I wanted to have that be part of this episode. Kind of a good news pod. Uh, so let's get right into that. But before we get into it, guys, let me talk to you about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever, ever, ever. Straight up, just easy as that. It's They've got tons of flavors from caramel brownie to peanut butter brownie to toffee almond orange, apple almond crisp. They've got a hundred gajillion different flavors, including coconut brownie puff, with which won the Built Bar Championship, as you guys might be aware of. Uh, recently, it was really great, and they're really healthy for you, of course, uh, for the health conscious sort of guy or gal. Thanks to high fiber, high protein, low sugar, and a low amount of calories. Really great for the keto diet. Awesome stuff. Uh, so if you guys are interested, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And now, guys, one last thing before we get into my chat with Emily Nyman. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, including today. I, I told you, I promised you guys I'd be appearing on this thing myself. Go tune into the Locked On Today podcast for today's episode. Uh, I make an appearance on there. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. And without further ado, Emily Nyman. All right, everyone. As promised, as prophesized, I'd be joined by a special guest. MLB sees it as is kicking off officially. But I wanted to have something a little bit different, a little bit more, dare I say, fun uh, at the pod. And I'm being joined by the host of the Breaking Balls podcast, an excellent name for a po- podcast I might have. Uh, Emily Nyman, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Happy to be here. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's a solid day. You know, my team is the Padres. Your team is very much not the Padres. But I saw you because I have to I have to admit, look, I've been on baseball Twitter for a decent amount of time, but I've been really deep on baseball Twitter only for like a year or so. And I have to say, you might be the only A-Rod stand that I've seen on this on the bird app. Uh, Talk about that for a quick second. I mean, I'm the only A-Rod stand that I've seen basically for the last like 20 years or so. And I've just always, I've just always liked him. I I loved Ken Griffey Jr. when I was a kid. So I was a Mariners fan at first when I was like eight years old and Mm -hmm. A-Rod was on the team then. So I always loved him. And then I became a Yankees fan, like any good 10 year old jumping onto a bandwagon would when they were really good. And then when A-Rod came to the Yankees, it was just like very serendipitous moment in my life. And Mm -hmm. I've just always liked him. I I like that he's polarizing. I like that he, (laughs) you know, he he moves to the beat of his own drum, even though he tries to fall in step, but it never works. And it always flies and blows up in his face. And there's just something very human about that, even though he's kind of like a weird alien at times that acts strangely. Absolutely. And (laughs) 
it's your fandom of A-Rod, which relates to the topic that I wanted for today's podcast. And the topic is, look, I've never been one to be untimely for things. I, I tend to be late on things. Um, I wanted to talk to you about baseball documentaries you'd like to see. Who would be worthy, players, events, whatever, of receiving a, maybe not in every situation, but at least a documentary, or maybe even a last dance, you know, super long style documentary. And the reason I wanted to have you on was because it's been my belief, and maybe this is where my Yankees roots start to show, but I really do believe this. I believe Alex Rodriguez is the only player in baseball that we currently have right now that might work for a 10-part documentary. So I wanted to have you on because you are the A-Rod stan. You are the A-Rod expert. Um, do you agree, first of all, with my with my thesis here? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Because when you're talking about things that are just happening within baseball, I think that he fits the bill. Because obviously a guy like Josh Hamilton or even like Evan Gaddis, their stories are really inspiring. And mm -hmm. I'm sure they would be very compelling. But the compelling aspect is things that were happening off field of how mm -hmm. it affected their careers. And I'm not trying to take anything away from that at all, but I think that A-Rod is way more in line with like what the last stance was that was more just about the guys on the team and their goal, not really about what was happening off the court. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's the thing is people wouldn't be thrilled to hear about it, but bottom line is I think the A-Rod arc is quite fascinating. I mean, he's the big superstar of the league with Seattle. Then he goes to Texas, then finally the Yankees, and then all the off-field stuff, whether it be dating, whether it be the steroid stuff, like there's so much to it. This is, and I remember someone suggested they're like, well, the core four, the Andy Pettit, Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter, Posada, like that combination, people were saying, Oh, would you want to see a documentary on that? And while there's there's a combination needed for a long like length documentary, in my opinion that you need both the skill and the intrigue on that factor, but then off the, also the off-field intrigue. I don't think there are that many people who really want to see like a five-part, seven, eight-part documentary on Derek Jeter. I think people would like to see more of him, certainly, but I don't think there's as much intrigue there. You know what I'm saying? And I think that you've you've talked about this on your podcast too. I mean, a lot. I mean, it's, it's really entertaining. Everybody go check that out for sure. Um, is there any type of style you'd want them to go for? Is there anything you'd want to learn more about with A-Rod if, if they did do such a documentary? Um, yeah, I would really love to know more about his time as a player and, and as a person before he got caught. Mm -hmm. Because once he got caught, that was a mess. And then since then, like you said, he's sort of, he's reinvented himself. He's humbled himself because he had no choice. He really hit rock bottom as much as someone who made half a billion dollars can. But he during his playing career was a, a, such an odd character that had an all white apartment and had, you know, clips of himself <laughs> playing on the television screens there using it as inspiration. And, and that A-Rod is the one that I really mm -hmm. am in, intrigued about because he seemed to put himself on a pedestal, but he also did everything he could to try to be accepted and liked. Mm -hmm. And it would always backfire. So I'm just really interested to hear about what it was like for him during that time, because he was a closed off, but also kind of open person. He was just a weird an enigma for lack of a mm -hmm. better term. I like that. I like the the thing with the watching footage of himself, like all this, it could really be like a, 
a, a masterman. Like, I feel like, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie Face Off, uh, whoever's listening to this podcast. I don't know if you've seen it, Emily, but I just thought of this right now. It's like, one of the brilliant things about Face Off is the two actors, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. It is a ludicrous movie. I recommend it to everybody. It's one of my all-time good, bad, just, it's it really is a masterpiece. That they both clearly are taking it seriously. And a lot more seriously than I think they probably should have been taking it. I feel like the the seriousness of A-Rod talking about himself could make for some really compelling television. I really do. And I think that, you know, you add that. To, and, and objectively speaking, like, he is a great player. Like, he's an all-timer in a lot of ways. It's just there's so much other stuff there. And I think that I would also like to see the the comeback I think he made off the field when it comes to being on ESPN. His uh, verbal spouts with... um you know, David Ortiz and uh, what's his face, uh, Pete Rose. And then and then people also now being backed out on him again and the Jennifer Lopez stuff. And who knows where else his career goes from here. I think it would just be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, needless to say, I agree with you. And <laughs> one of the things about him talking about himself so seriously is I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a documentary called Screwball, which is about basically the biogenesis scandal, Tony mm-hmm. Bosch and everything. And, and it's portrayed they interviewed Tony Bosch they interviewed Porter Fisher who was also someone who was involved in the scandal and but it's reenacted by little kids so it's all little kid cast and it just mm-hmm. adds like a, a an absurdity to it because mm-hmm. it makes you realize that this isn't a that serious of a thing you know this isn't as serious that if it was just these guys in, so, in front of a camera telling the story it would give a level of seriousness to it that doesn't really exist because these are just a bunch of, you know, a baseball player taking PEDs and these clowns that are giving it to him. So I think that it would be interested for the same reason that that documentary is awesome because he would be talking about himself seriously. But now <laughs> that we know what happened, it would have an air of like almost excitement, like a thriller, yeah. like, oh, my God, I know what's coming up down the road. Yeah, I think I really think it would. I'm not saying A-Rod is like completely like not self-aware uh, at all. But I just I think we could get some gold in there. I would love to hear. I mean, everyone, I feel like one of the highlights of this, aside from just like the first steroid um, allegation when that happens, which is like at the time, maybe some people don't realize, especially younger fans, like the real like number one story in sports for like what felt like years. Honestly, it was so incredible. I remember listening on the radio with with my dad, like the press conference. I think that everyone would also be looking forward to all the Jeter stuff. Uh, I know SB Nation's done a great did a great video on the beef history thing, which is in itself like one of the better documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> just everything about those two. And then finally putting aside their differences of winning a championship. I think that could be a whole lot of fun. Um, and I really do believe this. This isn't a bit. I mean, it's partially a bit to a degree. <laughs> but um, I really do think that A-Rod would be incredible at this. And then the last thing I want to do before we close out on the A-Rod portion of this is how have you liked him? as a announcer because i feel like at first he was great and everyone loved him similar to a if we want to make a basketball analogy like steve van gundy um jeff van gundy used to be like super beloved because he was so weird on the broadcast now you just log on twitter everybody hates him um a rod in terms of his announcing on tv and all that stuff how do you feel about that um i mean i am not crazy about it because he says some questionable things i'm not really into his bootlicking lately like or talking about sack bunting that he never had he literally never laid a bunt down his entire career um that stuff aside 
when it's just when it just comes to the analyst side, uh, he's pretty good. Uh, he's mm -hmm. awkward. He's cheesy, <laughs> and I like him still because I hate Smoltz. I think Smoltz is terrible. So mm. anyone compared to Smoltz, I think is excellent. But Arod, I almost wish he would leave the booth because I'm tired of having to defend him in the booth. So I'm just like, whatever, just say whatever you want at this point. Can't defend yeah. you anymore. <laughs> just but, kidding, uh, yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like the the comment, whatever. What uh, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Aaron Judge, or whatever. He said that one comment. I forgot the athletes he used to compare, or whatever. That was just. And I don't know if he was 100% serious in that or if he was trying to be funny, but either way, I think it's a delay. And either way, to a degree, I think people need to stop stop taking the announcers too seriously. Are they pleasant enough to listen to? Then I'm good. You know what I mean? If you really want to learn, learn about the sport, there's a lot of other mediums to do it as well. So if you're basing your entire knowledge on a sport based on just what one guy says, then I think that's a little bit much. But that's just a take for another day to explore. Hold up a minute. Hold up a minute. Oh boy, guys, do I have the site for you. BetOnline.ag it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball is underway. You know, college basketball is done, but baseball is underway. You still got the NBA and NHL. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way. That's right, the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. <laughs> Uh, so head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now I want to get to the second part of this, which is just what are some other kind of stories you'd like to see highlighted um, in a documentary format? It doesn't have to be this grand, you know, Last Dance style thing. But what are some other kind of stories that you might be interested to see uh, if they were to do a documentary on them? Um, I would really, and, I, and this may be like a, a cop out or an obvious one, but I obviously love to see one about the 2017 Astros. I think that that is mm -hmm. a really interesting mm -hmm. story because I would really love to see a deep dive into how it actually affected their on um, field play. And I know there was a guy, I think his name is Tony Adams, who did a whole uh, study on it. Oh, their averages and everything in comparison to when they were cheating. But I would like to see a deep dive of that in a documentary. And mm -hmm. um, I would love to see one on Barry Bonds, Clemens, for the same reason that A-Rod is intriguing in that of all the guys that used PEDs during that era, there are a few that stand out in our memory, and it's because they seemingly didn't have to. And mm -hmm. I think that's why people are so mad about it, and that's why MLB chose to use them as scapegoats for that entire era. Is because Agreed. Why? Why did they do it? Did they do it because other guys were using to keep up? Like, I would really love to try to get into their heads if that would be even possible. Yeah. And, and two things based on what you've said. First of all, just my Boston haterade is going to come out. But I really and I, I love this, honestly. I, I like David Ortiz throughout my life. I used to probably hate him as a kid just because I was more in my Yankees fandom and he was great on the Red Sox. But I started to find him more and more hilarious, honestly, the older I got. But I really find, and I got to look back if I, uh, I'm back and research on this when he first had that steroid allegation and he kind of just pulled a, I don't know where this came from. I'm going to go look into it and get back to you guys. And then never addressed it ever again. It was like the most brilliant maneuvering I've personally ever seen when it comes to that stuff. It was, it was truly brilliant. And then the next thing is I agree with you on the Astros thing. And well, yeah, I guess it's obvious per se, but 
I mean, it kind of has been the main story in baseball, aside from maybe my team and my and my boy uh, <laughs> over the past, like, you know, two seasons. I think that that one would be great because the potential quotes like it, for everyone who's, see, who's seen The Last Dance, there's a lot of moments where you can tell people are like, you know, BSing. You know, you could tell that they're like Isaiah Thomas is on there and he's like, you know, and I don't know why I was kicked off. Yeah, I did. I did tell the team to walk <laughs> off. I think you could get some epic if you could get them to agree to it. Quotes from the Astros players like Correa. Oh, my God. Bregman, all those guys. It would be awesome stuff. And on the other side of that, I think the quotes, if you get opposing players, if you get people from the Dodgers, if you get people from the Yankees, you know, you get Gary Sanchez, who was quoted as saying that, you know, I would take off everything if I hit that home run, whatever his quote was, like I would take off my pants or something like that. Uh, why did Altuve take off his shirt? I think you could really truly get some of the better quotes that we've seen in a while. If people are open to it, I hope players would be open to it because I'd imagine the Astros don't want to like revisit that. But I do think it could be just an absolute blast. I would love to see it because Correa was getting so upset and worked up when he was being interviewed by like the local high school newspaper. So if he sat down and was being peppered with questions for a documentary like this, I just imagine he turned into a Hulk type character at that point. So hopefully they have the film rolling. Yeah. You'd get like one of those, like all right, a break, you know, he just, they take <laughs> yeah. off the microphone and that whole exactly. thing. That could, but I think that would be the fun part of it. Right. And um, now that you've gone, let me just share some of my picks. Maybe this will spawn any other ideas. I'm curious to hear what you think. So I've got three, basically. Um, number one, which I think is, I think this is basically the sentiment of Moneyball, except without the little financial part of it. I would love to see one on Ichiro. And I think that Ichiro is probably, hmm, he might be one of the few 100% approval rating baseball players we have i don't know a single like if somebody like walked up to you <laughs> you know you're, you're at a bar or something like that they're like man fuck you eat your own <laughs> like you would like lose your mind right it's just an insane opinion to have and i think that i assume with the i was money on ball, a candid camera yeah <laughs> with the uh with the money ball aspect i think honing in on the losing a our boy a rod um losing um uh what's his face ken giffrey jr and then the next year after everything goes downhill to then have the all-time single season wins record, I think that a lot of people, I think, forget that. Like the part about them losing a lot of their stars and then having one of the great seasons. And they're literally the great seasons in the history of this game, I think would be super exciting to explore. And the next two that I have that are kind of just, or one of them is, is a funny one. Uh, the other one would be Ricky Henderson, which I got, which is just a little bit, I'm stealing, sorry, uh, to my buddy Sully from, Locked on MLB, which is where I heard you um, on. And that's how I first uh, came across your work. I love Sully. Yeah, Sully's the homie. He suggested Ricky Henderson. I think that would be a great one. I don't know enough about him personally. I find it interesting how many teams he hopped to. But how consistently great of a player he was, how much of an on-base guy he was, and how much that translates. More of an on-field intrigue for him. Maybe not necessarily off the field, but still, there's there's still a lot there. As I recommend everyone go check that episode um, on Locked on MLB. Just search it up. Uh, that Sully did a while ago. And then my last one, it would be like a one episode one, honestly, but Jabba Chamberlain's maybe a two episode one, but the Jabba Chamberlain Canadian fire ant bees of death, whatever they were called would be, I think really awesome. I watched that game live with my dad who is a hundred percent convinced 
that it was rigged and that they gave him some sugar while they gave the other guy nothing or whatever, even though there's no real empirical proof of that. Um, and then also people sometimes forget like Jabba Chamberlain was kind of a star. I remember watching a commercial on him when I was younger. Like he was kind of pegged as that next, you know, Mariano Rivera for lack of a better uh, term. So what do you think about those? I think those are great. It's, I love the Ricky Henderson one because he is only known as a base dealer, which rightfully mm-hmm. so. He's got the record 1406. That'll probably never be broken. But yep. A lot of people, not a lot of casual fans would be surprised to hear how prolific of a hitter he was also, that he wasn't mm-hmm. just a stolen bases guy. So, and the longevity yeah. of his career, Jabba Chamberlain, I love that. I love the idea of doing like a, where are they now? With <laughs> guys like Jabba, Joel Zumaya, all these people that were studs and they were going to be the future of baseball. And then they flamed mm-hmm. out within like a year or two for a plethora mm. of reasons. But yeah, as a whole, that could be fun. Yeah, exactly. There's there's plenty of them, too. I mean, baseball is rife with guys that were like, oh, this is the next Babe Ruth. And then it never panned out. I would love to see one on Jose Canseco. I think that (laughs) he is such a clown and his story. So I don't know. There's another podcast. It's called Crime and Sports with uh, done by two comedians, Jimmy Wisman and Jimmy. uh, I forget his last name. And they did an episode on Jose Canseco that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. So it would translate perfectly to even like a three-part series, I think. That would be, oh man, I mean, and just looking at the tweets, the tweets might be an episode alone. And then he, Loki was in a a boxing match recently. Like Jose Canseco is a, and and I wonder, because that one could be interesting, even if you didn't get him. I feel like you could just ask a bunch of people about him and you might get a lot of anecdotes about it. It's like that secondhand type of thing, right? I think a secondhand documentary, uh, on Jose Canseco would be really fascinating. And I don't really know what to say. I mean, even his Twitter speaks with Shaq somehow back in the day, I don't know how that happened, but it did. And I think that it'd be, it'd be a crazy one. Is he famous enough for it? I don't know, but like I, I think eh, actually I I take that back. I think he actually is becoming more infamous by the day. So maybe everybody knows who he is now. Um it's but I wonder in the sports world. Yeah, certainly in the sports world, yeah, like for that perspective. But yeah, those would be a lot of fun. And I agree. I think a where are they now thing would be really quite fascinating. Like an Andrew Kashner for Padres fans, I think, was a good example of a guy who, you know, they traded Anthony Rizzo for him. So that didn't obviously work out too well. Um, so I think he would definitely be one. I think getting guys from a bunch of different teams, including Jabba, who would be one of the, the one of the more interesting ones, just because uh, I think the, the, the ant thing is just, I have never, nothing's ever really happened like that ever again in baseball uh, for sure. Um, and I also love your, the one about the Mariners, I think would be really interesting. And even to tie it in with the, where are they now? is because something that's unique to baseball is the fact that a team can set a record for the most wins in a season and then get bounced from the playoffs in that manner yeah. because of the randomness of a short of a small sample size and the where are they now ties into that because it just goes to show that and, and I'm I'm pulling this out of my ass so I, this may not be the case but I feel like baseball has the most touted prospects that don't amount to anything where mm-hmm. the other sports Sure, there are, are busts in the draft. You know, Ryan Leaf is a famous one in the NFL, but Ryan Leaf is famous because of, <clears throat> excuse me, because of how 
it doesn't happen very often, but in baseball, it happens every single year. You have a guy that's in the drafted, he's going to be great. Then maybe he has a good season, a good, a, a good year. And then he's just never hear from him again. And I yeah. feel like that just isn't something that happens in the other major sports. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think prospect fetish, fetishizing happens a little bit much in baseball. Like, yeah, in the NBA, we all get excited, but we get excited about like the top five sort of picks, right? In baseball, it's like, well, the number 85 prospects on MLB's <laughs> top. It's like, all right, man, like they might be as good as Kestahira. I don't even, I can't even think of a name right now. Like they might be average good players. Like it's something to be excited about, but it's very rare that these guys end up being like superstars. Not to mention if you, I love to just have a look back at just first overall picks in drafts. You know, Mike Zunino was a first overall pick, right? And then Mike Trout was 25, I think in that same draft, if I'm not mistaken, uh, don't check my notes on that. Uh, but like the, just for example, like how it's not like that for football and basketball. Usually that first overall pick is going to be something usually almost always in baseball. It's like, yeah, they could be something, you know what I mean? You don't really know for sure, but that's a, a good thing worth exploring for sure. Uh, Emily, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun uh, chatting with you. One last thing before we go, if you want, if you'd like, uh, do you have any spicy hot take prediction for the MLB season? Spicy hot? Actually, yeah. I mean, you and your listeners may not think this is too spicy, but over on the East Coast in the Northeast, this is very spicy. I've picked Manny Machado to be the NL MVP this year. I think okay. that he is going to come in and just quote unquote quietly because he's doing it beside Tatis, who is in the mm -hmm. spotlight. So I think that Manny's going to have a quote unquote quiet MVP season and yank that award out from his teammate and everyone else in the NL. I like that. And no, everybody, I did not pay, pay Emily beforehand to say that. <laughs> Um, I actually just thought of one last fun question because I don't know when the heck I'm going to end up finally releasing this, but do you have a pick for the first home run to be hit of the 2021 season and by who? And it'll be fun to listen back to see if you were right. My pick is DJ LeMahieu on the Yankees. Okay. I think that he's going to hit a home run tomorrow, but with my luck and because of how vocal I've been against pitchers hitting, it's going to end up being a pitcher because I just picked <laughs> this and because I hate them hitting so much. That's a great call, DJ, for sure. Uh, one of the bright spots in New York right now, for sure. Really enjoyed watching all the New York fans lose their mind after uh, during the offseason worrying that he might leave. Uh, but Emily, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you had fun too and uh, hope you take care. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. And uh, shazam, everybody. That is it. <laughs> I don't know why I have a new like sound for every outro of the podcast, but that is it, guys, for my chat with Emily Nyman of the Breaking Balls podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a little bit of a break from the usual affair, I guess, uh, because, I don't know, I'm trying to be positive today, I guess, and I felt like it was a fun podcast to listen to. And also, guys, before we get into some final uh, kind of things, Locked On Fantasy Baseball, it's really good. Be a waiver wire winner with the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cohen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. In terms of this podcast, though, everybody, stay tuned tomorrow for, I believe I'm going to post a, a snippet of my chat with DC Lumberg of Locked On Mariners, which might be sound a little bit weird. We're not like playing them 
them just yet. But uh, we actually have some similarities in common with uh, prospects and stuff like that. I asked him about Taylor Chamel, asked him about the Austin Nola trade, stuff like that. And I thought it was just we both have high energy and we're both kind of similar. We work well together, I think. So I think it'll be a fun kind of um, backdrop for tomorrow's episode, which will be like a really, uh, you know, recapping the game as usual. But I think it'll be fun. And then Friday, I'm planning on posting a crossover with Mr. Bryce Paterik of Lockdown Rangers, the sad boy himself over at Lockdown Rangers. And I think we'll just preview the series and what to expect and whatnot. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, I also have um, a couple of final things. One, check out my Phil Hughes piece uh, for Off the Bench Baseball if you guys want. I don't know. I was just, I'm semi-proud of it. I just thought it was a weird topic to write about, and I thought it was really fun. Uh, so that's going to be in the description of the podcast. And also, I'm linking in the description of the podcast um, Sully. Remember, please call him Sully of Locked on MLB. Uh, he did an in-memoriam video that he does every year, and he puts a lot of care into it. So I'm going to put the link in that uh, for that video in the description of the podcast. It's really, really good, and I definitely recommend you guys checking it out. And lastly, guys, remember I'm going live on Locker Room with Ben Kaspic of Lockdown Giants for like a watch-along live reactions thing for the beginning and end of today's uh, Padres-Giants game. We got you Darvish on the mound, so I'm excited for that one. And Kevin Gosman of the Giants, so it should be a potential really good matchup. Kevin Gosman is very underrated, very, very good pitcher right now. Uh, his stock is definitely high, and he's on one of my fantasy teams. Yeet, yeet. Uh, very underrated guy, so very excited for that. It should be a lot of fun. But with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. And be sure to send me some nice five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app if you are on there. Remember to follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My prior faithful moments. Take care.